passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I am the greatest of all time. I am the alpha of this business. And I'm going to prove it. Because I'm challenging you, Kenny. What? Jericho versus Kenny. What? Alpha versus Omega. To see who is really the best. I want to meet you. January 4th. What? Wrestle Kingdom 12 in the Tokyo Dome. That can't even happen, can it? Hello, it is John Pollock and Wei Ting. And we are live. From the post office. Mm-hmm. Do we want to say what time it is? It is. Yeah, why not? 3 a.m. on a Tuesday. We <laughs> just finished Rewind a Raw. We've posted it, uploaded it, tweeted it, downloaded it, listened to it, levelated it, done everything. And what else? What else is there left to do but to do another show yeah way was all ready to kick me out when i reminded him hey we've got to record a second show and way was like of course we do nonsense i'm actually quite looking forward to this okay yeah well i i had a coffee an hour ago so i'm all set to go okay uh this show we're going to be taking a look at new japan pro wrestling who are presenting uh their biggest show of the year early thursday morning on new japan world it's wrestle kingdom 12 which I've got to say, Way, um, one of the most anticipated shows for for me in quite a while. I'm yeah. I'm really stoked for this show that's coming up Thursday, and we're using this show as kind of a primer for some people that maybe they are not regular followers of New Japan. Maybe they're sampling this for the first time because um, for if you have maybe just uh, followed along but not taken the dive, got New Japan World. This is the show that I think is going to grab a lot of people for the first time. Well, it's a perfect opportunity for me to be a part of this show because I consider myself one of those people. New Japan is something that I mean, obviously doing the show with you and just being a wrestling fan in general over the past year, it's always kind of been uh, talked about. Uh, it's it's in every discussion. Um, but for whatever reason, I've never taken the full dive yet. So I want to take this opportunity, John. Not only to uh, sign up for New Japan World and try to figure that out, but to pester you, somebody who I consider an expert in all this stuff, uh, to get me completely caught up with Wrestle Kingdom 12 and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, I'm excited for this because I'm handing you over the reins, so you just take over, and I'm just here along for the ride. All right. Are you ready? I can't wait. All right, so we're, we're talking Wrestle Kingdom 12 Talk to me, John, about the concept of the year-end show for New Japan and having those take place in the Tokyo Dome. 
Well, this, I mean, it dates back with, with New Japan itself. I mean, the, the Tokyo Dome opened up in 1989. And, and since 90, 92, they've been running uh, January 4th. And that's been the day. It's a holiday in Japan. It's always January 4th. Yes. No yes. matter if it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, like it is. Yep. Always, always January the 4th, which is somewhat... it does affect your attendance because i mean much like anywhere in the world i mean running a wednesday night versus a friday or saturday night is going to affect your casual audience which this is the show that is going to draw that that casual base more so than any other um so this the dome opened in 89 holds 64,000 people and yeah january 4th it's it's synonymous now with the tokyo dome even as new japan uh, was doing tremendous business, and up until 2005, I mean, for instance, that year, and that's when they were in the doldrums. They were running the dome three times a year, and then since '06, they've just uh, they restricted it down to just the January 4th date because there was even talk of dropping it hmm. altogether. It's we can't come anywhere close to filling this. Um, it's a big building to run to rent. And they've always kept the January 4th. And I think that that's been a wise move that even as your business grows, I kind of like the fact that they run it once a year as opposed to trying to do multiple dome shows. But yeah. they're, they're still not in that position yet where they're going to sell 64,000 tickets. Quick shout out to Chris Charlton, who's actually working on a book. Yes, about, Eggshells. Yeah, about yeah. wrestling in the Tokyo Dome. I was interviewed for this book. Oh, you were? I was. Like the Facebook group, everybody. Okay, that's cool. So this is the 12th iteration of Wrestle Kingdom. And I think we can all view it as sort of their version of WrestleMania. Prior to this, what was sort of New Japan's, you know, big show? Well, I mean, their year is structured around the, the January 4th Dome show is... is generally your your big peak point of the year mm-hmm. and it's and it's coupled with your kind of ancillary events obviously the g1 climax is i guess for the wwe viewer i would compare that to somewhat like an extended version of the royal rumble because that produces your number one contender that goes to the dome that they've introduced um dating back to 2012 where the winner of the g1 would have the briefcase and they go uh, to Wrestle Kingdom and get the IWGP title shot. So um, that would be their their second biggest of the year. And then you have events like Invasion Attack and King of Pro Wrestling, which are kind of those are your four big pillar events of the year. But the January 4th show is is the, the big blockbuster show of the year. Very cool. All right, let's get into the card itself um, because I think we have a lot to go through and probably not that much time because I think John kind of wants to go home. But... Um, I'm enjoying this conversation, and the first match that I think we should talk about is probably the lowest match on the card, at least so it's been announced, and that's the New Japan Rumble. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the New Japan Rumble, like, what you know, obviously it is a Royal Rumble type, but who typically features in the match? Yeah, it's... It's kind of a throwaway match. I mean, this is much closer to the Andre the Giant Battle Royal than it is the Royal Rumble. It's a way to get lots of guys on the show, also incorporate the surprises. So they take some of the surprise elements of the Royal Rumble. It's done on the pre-show. It's usually not that great a match. It's just built around 
just well, a battle royal. Guys from the, the the past cameos is kind of the strength of the show. Mm. Lots of comedy. Um, sometimes you'll get some legends in it. Last year they used it as Michael Elgin's return from his injury after his orbital bone was broken by Tetsuya Naito. So how long does the match usually go? It, it it's it can be lengthy. Like you're talking 30, 35 minutes for this match really? that's on the pre-show. So if you're watching this week, that'll be on at 2.30 a.m. Eastern time before the show proper at three o'clock. So hmm. um yeah, it can it can be a pretty long match with the the intervals and it's just a warm up to see to see some stars, see some names. That's where a Liger is going to find himself on the show. That's where a Yuji Nagata is going to find himself, Manabu Nakanishi, and it just gets everybody on the card. The first actual match on the card is going to be taking place between Rapungi 3K, that's Sho and Yo, who are the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, taking on the Young Bucks, of course. Um, so how I want to go through this is I kind of want to rely on you to tell me a bit about the participants involved. Obviously, I feel everybody who's l- watching this knows who the Young Bucks are, but who are Rapungi 3K, showing you? All right, so these are two of the, the Young Lions going back a few years to their class where they were coming up with Jay White, with David Finley. Uh, full names are Yohei Kamatsu and Sho Tanaka. And the Young Lions, for people who aren't aware, because I'm I, I'm treating this like yep. people have never seen New Japan before, are? So the, the system in New Japan is that they have their dojo, and when they're when the dojo graduates are ready, they are brought in at the very bare bones entry level. Um, everything is simple. They're in black tights, black boots. They don't even short hair, short hair, no knee pads, nothing spectacular in their matches. They're not going to be doing anything special. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's as though they're constrained inside of a phone booth in terms of what they can do creatively. They're generic creative wrestlers. Yes, they are. But Mm -hmm. they, you slowly get to see what differentiates certain guys from the other. And to me, it's, I love the concept. I love watching mm-hmm. the new crop. It's like this uniformity of how you introduce these performers. And uh, Tanaka and Kabatsu are two solid talents who went on their excursion to Ring of Honor and were, and as well CMLL, uh, as the Tempura Boys. Which I didn't think was was all that great a gimmick. I didn't think they got a whole lot out of the excursion. They were there for about a year and then returned when uh, Rapongi Rapongi Vice, which was Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta, they did their breakup. But it was very rare in pro wrestling where it was just they mutually agreed to go their separate ways. They felt they had reached their limit. And Beretta wanted to move to the heavyweight division. He got the blessing of Rocky Romero, who then recruited uh, Rapongi 3K to manage in show and yo. And they've come back, and I, I found them to be um, entertaining part of the the tag, the junior heavyweight tag division since coming back. They put the titles on them very quickly. Who did they beat? They beat the Bucks for the titles. Mm. Um, so this... Uh, I'm drawing a blank. They... I believe it was the Bucks. You're pre- you're pressing me at three. Hey, in the I'm morning. really testing John. John has no notes for this. This is all, all not... off the top of the man's head. Well, they just won them. I want to say at King of Pro Wrestling back in October. So, um, alrighty, they beat Funky Future. Oh, it was yeah, it Ricochet was... and Ryusuke Taguchi. Yes, because that was Ricochet's departure uh, after he left, and then the Bucks 
um, did the challenge at Power Struggle to set this up. So that's is there weird. much storyline involved with this, or is it no, up? not a whole lot? And the junior heavyweight tag titles, like I, I say this off the top of my head, because these titles bounce around a lot, mm-hmm. um, as do um, the never six man titles. I mean, they just they fly all over the place between the teams. Uh, this will probably be. I don't want to even say sleeper on the show because I think most people expect this will be good, but the Bucks in particular uh, within the junior heavyweight division in New Japan uh, throughout the past year, they've been working a lot of just like isolating body parts, working the back, and they've had some tremendous matches in 2017. Totally counter to the stereotype that everyone thrusts on the Bucks, which mm-hmm. I think is an unfair one when you watch their whole body of work. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm really looking forward to this match. I typically the junior heavyweights, it's it's a tough sell at times inside of a venue like the Dome. And I mean, you're looking at the lineup right now, way you can see mm-hmm. the lineup here. That the only thing that could hurt them is what kind of time they get. But in the past, when the, the Bucks matches have typically got 15 minutes on the Dome, so if they get 15, this should be a really solid uh, opener to the show after the pre-show. Mm-hmm. Do you have a prediction? Um. I, I hope they kind of keep them on 3K. They just put the put it on them just a few months ago, and I don't think the Bucks necessarily need them. But again, these are titles that flip all over the place. That a title change could certainly happen. Um, the Bucks have won it so many times. I'd like to see 3K get a bit of a run with them. How big would you say the Bucks are in general in New Japan? How big of a part do they play? Because I know they're not on all the tours. No, I mean, they have their place, but they're certainly not cornerstones as they are in Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. as they are on the North American scene when they do a PWG show and they are the main event. Um, they're they're relegated to the junior heavyweight division. They have the association, of course, with the elite and with the Bullet Club. So they're they're well known. They're they're protected. I mean, they're the key team in the junior heavyweight division, but it's not like you could ever put these guys... Well, you could put them in a semi-main, but they're not going to end up in that kind of a role. So they're much more supporting players in New Japan than they are in Ring of Honor, where they are main event players. Up next, we have a gauntlet match for the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship. And that is taking place between the Bullet Club, consisting of Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, who are the champions, taking on Chaos, Trent Beretta, Tomohiro Ishii, Toru Yano, taking on Michael Elgin and War Machine, taking on Suzuki-Gun, Taken on to Gucci Japan, who, which consists of Juice Robinson, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Togi Makabe. Uh, tell me about this never open weight six man tag. Well, this will be your head spinning because this is one that will probably get 12 to 14 minutes, but you have to do eliminations throughout this whole time. So, I mean, you look at the talent here. Um, I mean, Tomohiro Ishii is just going to be an afterthought on this show, unfortunately. Zack mm. Sabre Jr., who had a phenomenal year, especially mm-hmm. in the G1. Juice Robinson, who had a career year. Um, you have your regulars like Michael Elgin, for instance. Like, There's some great talent in here. It's I, so stacked. Any any single one of these guys could headline an indie show oh, at the it's, very least. Yeah, I, I think it's really unfortunate, especially for Zack Sabre Jr. and Ishii, that they're stuck in a match. And Juice Robinson, too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Taguchi, he had a great year um, as part of the team with Ricochet. Like, it's just, it's cramming all these really talented guys into one match that my expectations are not very high. I would say once you get to the final two teams, maybe they'll get five or six minutes, but that's probably what you're topping out at. So it'll be gauntlet format. Do we know who's starting, or, or is it... 
it's all random. Yeah, so it's like the coin flip deal. Um, And in terms of who wins it, I mean, again, it's... It could go anywhere. These six-man tag titles are the hot potato belts in New Japan. So you could look at this and, I mean, when you when you figure in, I mean, if I could see a title change and the champions uh, end up dropping them, I could see Robinson, Taguchi, and Makabe as a, as a babyface unit winning them. Uh, Juice Robinson doesn't have a whole lot going on. Neither does Taguchi since Ricochet left. Is there much rhyme, rhyme or reason to a lot of these stables? Like a Chaos and a Taguchi Japan and a Suzuki Goon. Like, are there any like character traits that really link these people together, or is it just like, hey, I want to partner up with you. Let's call ourselves a name. Yeah, it's more. It's more so just that. I mean, there aren't necessarily specific traits. It's just kind of the identity. It's like everyone has a group. Are there certain? Are are at least are they at least babyface or heel? Oh yeah, de- definitely. I so mean, chaos. T- Taguchi Japan is a very overact um, mm-hmm. where they come out and they're it's almost like a spoof on on an Olympic team doing their opening ceremonies as they yeah. come out. It's very much tongue in cheek, but it works. Um, Tanahashi's in that, right? Uh, Tanahashi is linked to them as well. I yeah. mean, Taguchi Japan is not like a full fledged group. It's more like a loose affiliation, but it's um, got its various members. And okay. then you have chaos. Yeah, Chaos, of course, that's uh, Kazuchika Okada's group, and then Suzuki Gun, which returned to New Japan one year ago, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the Bullet Club rounds things out. Gotcha. All right, up next on the card is a singles match between Cody with Brandy Rhodes taking on Kota Ibushi, and this was 2B for the ROH Championship. Yeah, right. up until Dalton Castle won the title at Final Battle. Uh, this is another one that I think should be very good. Um, I, th- I think one that's... A strong uh, of strong interest to in North Americans watching as well. Yeah, this is a big match for Cody. Definitely his biggest match since the Okada match back in Long Beach, mm-hmm. um, and in some ways even even bigger here with, with Kota Bushi. I mean, it's not a headlining role, but given the fact it's in the Tokyo Dome, and this could also set up a title challenger either for uh, a future. IWGP title shot or for Kenny Omega's US title as well. So I think that this is kind of your hmm. lower card singles match that I could see one or both of these guys having some kind of big angle the next night at New Year's Dash as you're setting up your programs for the next the next tour and the next couple of months as well. So uh, Kota Bushi, I really like that uh, he's ditched the whole Tiger Mask double uh gimmick for now and just going as Kota Bushi. there's way more upside for him without the mask and lots of options to go with him in 2018 the Kenny Omega match being the biggest one so I see Ibushi winning this match and being heavily figured into the heavyweight title picture in 2018 right on uh, up next we have for the tag team championships the Killer Elite Squad, consisting of Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer, who are the champions, taking on <coughs> L.I.J. with Evil and Sonata. And Ella, yeah. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so every December, you have the World Tag League Tournament, and the winners go on to get a title opportunity against the champions at Wrestle Kingdom. So Evil and Sonata won the tournament. Uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer, they were gone from New Japan for a lot of the year because um, they returned with Suzuki Gun last January, but then Lance Archer suffered a back injury and had to have surgery on it. So he missed a lot of time. Came back... Um, Back in August, and then they they won the titles at the uh, one of the destruction shows in September. So they've had the tag titles for a couple of months now. 
I mean, on paper, this is one that could be surprisingly good, or it or it might be a forgettable tag match. It's just how the two styles mesh, and also the time they get. Evil's had some great outings in 2017. I think he he had a great performance against Okada in the G1, and then that led to a title match in October at King of Pro Wrestling, which was a fine match. I think Evil is still not at that top-tier level, um, but against Okada in the G1, that was the one time he felt like that to me. Hmm. Sonata is... Very good mechanically, but he hasn't been able to break out with his personality. And thus far, he's he's been here as a part of LIJ for more than a year and a half, and he still hasn't found himself. So very good worker, but hasn't been able to make that get to that second gear. So that's what's held him back. Um, I think people are very high on evil as someone that can be built around for the next number of years. I don't think he's there yet. Um but th- this could easily be a tag title win for Evil and Sonata, which could tie in as Naito is, of course, going for the IWGP title and LIJ could have a big showing here at Wrestle Kingdom. Tell me about LIJ and their formation and sort of what what the concept is be- behind the group. Okay, so the the gimmick is actually like born out of CMLL mm-hmm. and it traces back, it ties in perfectly to what this main event is. So in 2013, Tetsuya Naito, he returned after major knee surgery the prior year. And he came back, won the G1, introduced a new finisher, and he was going to be the big... Destino. It uh, it was actually the Gloria at that time that he introduced, um, which he since added the Destino as well. So he wins the G1 and is positioned as the big babyface going towards the title. But it was... Naito being rammed down people's throat and there was a backlash to him. So they did a fan vote for Wrestle Kingdom in 2014 and it was between Okada and Naito for the IWGP title and then Nakamura defending the IC title against Tanahashi and they went with the IC title to be the fan voted main event. So the story from there is that Naito never forgave the audience that they didn't vote for him to be in his big main event after winning the G1 and going for the top title. And that was the the character alteration where it was no longer appealing to the fans. And this coincided with him going to CMLL, being indoctrinated with LIJ and bringing that character back to Japan. And you yeah. really saw it in full force in 2016 uh, going back to 2015, where it was very much, I hate when people always compare it to Steve Austin, but it was very much a anti-authority character mm. that didn't appeal to the fans, and in doing so, totally appealed to the fans as a result. And the audience has embraced him. There's there's cities where it's complete pro-Naito crowds, but yeah. also does get anti-Naito crowds, too. We'll save the Naito talk for, for the main event because we'll get a bit more into that. But for people who want to kind of hear a bit more about kind of his rise, I have to recommend the Showbuckle video that you can look up on YouTube called The the Rise and Fall of Tetsuya Tetsu, uh, The Fall and Rise of Tetsuya Naito. And Showbuckle is mm-hmm. like, has been an. Showbuckle and Real Neat Puro are two YouTube channels that make these fantastic little 10 minute documentaries about New Japan. And they're excellent for people looking to get caught up right away. So, quick shout out to those people. Um, anything else to say about that? that uh, ju- just about evil for those that are. I mean, um, this is a 
uh, Takaki Watanabe, and he also did an excursion going to Ring of Honor Mm -hmm. and then was brought back uh, just over a year ago as the evil character. Um, What is that character? Evil. That's it. He's evil. As W.H. Park said, how can you ever turn this guy babyface? It's evil. Yeah, you turn him good. Yeah. He's good. It's total... um, Like, is it... It looks awfully campy when you It's just very look at him. campy in how it's presented, but I mean you were at a show where he comes out in the full garb, he's mm-hmm. got the um the sickle oh, yeah. and I mean it's very over the top, but it seems like pe- people do take to it. I mean mm. it's a character that a lot of people are high on. Um did they start off as heels? Yeah. Like Naito this yeah. year. They I mean they they were brought in and I mean, at this point, it's like the audience has really gotten, especially behind Evil. I think mm-hmm. coming out of the G1, he came out with a really positive... At what point did the turn actually happen? I mean, it's not like necessarily an official turn. It's more just as though like there's just cities that have... Like, LIJ hasn't really adjusted much in how they do. Huh. I mean, you had Naito uh, when he was running with the IC title and just disrespecting the title. Yeah. And he would spit at his opponents. I mean, he really hasn't let up on that. I mean, he's just this asshole that some people, it's endearing, and hmm. others, he's a heel to. Okay. All right. Up next, we have Minoru Suzuki, who is the never open weight champion, taking on Hiroki Goto. And this is a match where the loser has to cut their hair. And it's also a no seconds death match. No seconds, meaning nobody ringside. Yeah, so they're, which, what they're promising here is that you won't get any interference, which has been a staple throughout the year for Minoru Suzuki matches through the help of Suzuki Gun. Okay. Hair cutting. Hair cutting in Japanese culture in general is seen as a big deal. Yes, it's it's shameful. It's for an another, act of contrition. Yes, for another person to cut your hair. So, I mean, Haruki Goto has had very little going on for him throughout the year. So, it seems like every year come the Tokyo Dome, he gets almost like his Dolph Ziggler push, mm-hmm. and then it kind of fades into the background throughout the year. Um, his well, big... His big storyline throughout his tenure has just been his inability to win the big one in losing all his IWGP title matches. His last one to Okada, he ended up being brought in by Okada and he joined Chaos. And this is where he introduced the GTR as a new finish for him as well. Uh, The GTR is, uh, it's kind of like a a cutter into like a neck breaker over over the knee that he's introduced uh, and has been using for over a year. So for this one, I mean, he had to convince Minoru Suzuki to def- to put the title up on the line and he offered his hair. And this prompted Suzuki to accept the challenge and both have put up their hair, which to Suzuki, I mean, it's still... It's not much of a loss. It's not much, but he is kind of... I mean, oh, you, you do think of his hair. It's embarrassing. Yes. You have your hair cut. Imagine him being like bald, completely bald. Yeah. Um, what? Tell me about the Never Open Weight Championship. So the Never Open Weight Championship. This was designed to be a championship for like their up and coming talent. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be for what is Never? Um, Never was the name of like an offshoot to New Japan, and it was supposed like to be like NXT? like their developmental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But instead, 
it's like the title went to Masato Tanaka, and then it just became like another circulated title amongst the New Japan roster, and it never achieved what it was originally designed to do. It's definitely an excess title in New Japan. I don't think it's a championship that has a lot of meaning. I mean, you look at all the title matches on this show. Every, every match is a title, except for the Cody match, which was going to have a title. Exactly, exactly. You're right. Um, so this is one that I think it's more, it dilutes the titles rather than adds it because it doesn't have its own distinct personality. But in recent years, it's sort of been known as sort of like the the real kind of more more strong style, hardcore type of title, right? Yeah, you, you've had various guys like, like Shibata with the title and, of course, with Minoru Suzuki now. Um to me, it's just it was it was brought in under the guise of one thought process, and it just like there's really not a whole lot of difference you can explain between the U.S. title, the Never title, the Intercontinental title. It's like right. you have all these secondary titles. Although the IC title is something they've protected significantly, mm-hmm. it does mean a lot. The Never title is essentially just a championship. Got a prediction for this one? Um, I could see Goto winning this. Yeah, cool. All right, up next. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and that is taking place between Marty's Girl, the champion, taking on Hiromu Takahashi, Kushida, and Will Ospreay. This is another match I think really a lot of North Americans are probably interested in. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this works. It's a fatal four-way. It's the first time they've done... Sorry, it's not a fatal four-way. It's a a four-way elimination match. Mm -hmm. Uh, First time they've done it uh, for the Junior Heavyweight title. And I'm curious how this works with the four bodies and how the audience takes to the junior heavyweights um the dome is always not the most receptive to junior heavyweight matches i mean you look at the talent here and it's mm-hmm. the best. how can this match disappoint so the yeah. layout is going to be key and as well the time i mean are they going to have to go quick through eliminations i mean how are they going to stagger them and then in terms of who comes out of this with the title I mean, throughout all of the angles and challenges, it's been Hiromu Takahashi that's kind of been the joke at the end of them and getting laid out. And Tell me about Hiromu Takahashi, because he kind of came back this year, didn't he? Yeah, he, he came back just over a year ago. So yeah. um, he came back with, with a great... Uh, he went on an excursion and then came back. Yeah, he was the former Kamatachi and had an unbelievable series of matches with Dragon Lee in CMLL. And then they brought the feud over to New Japan as well for um, a series of matches as well. So that's kind of, that was his dance partner that got a lot of attention. And then when he was brought back, um, he was rechristened Hiromu Takahashi as the time bomb. And How would you describe his character? He's, they kind of present him as this loose cannon that, of course, he's got Daryl, the the stuffed animal that has kind of taken on a life of its own. So he's kind of this wild character. I guess there's some Brian Pillman in it in terms of how they've uh, presented him. Kind of flamboyant. Yeah, yeah. Like tremendous high flyer, yeah. great wrestler, and kind of this, this erratic personality. Like full of charisma. Tons, yeah. tons of charisma. So... That would probably be my pick. I mean, Kushida's had so many runs now with the junior heavyweight title. With Will Ospreay, he's someone that they've... I mean, they did this long chase with him about 
He had never gotten a championship in New Japan. Then he finally did win the junior heavyweight title and then dropped it almost immediately to Marty Skrull. And those two have kind of dovetailed one another in their careers where Mm -hmm. Will Ospreay would get somewhere, then Marty Skrull would follow him and has always had Will Ospreay's number. So they have that history as well. But I kind of see Hiromu Takahashi winning the title here. Excellent. Up next... A singles match for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, and that is taking place between Hiroshi Tanahashi, who is the champion, taking on Jay White. First of all, tell me the circumstances that led to Tanahashi becoming the uh, Intercontinental Champion for this match. Because, like you said, it was uh, it was held by Naito for the beginning of the year, and uh, at what point did Tanahashi win it? Yeah, they had they had a series of matches throughout the year. They actually had their own trilogy this year. Um, with they had a match at Wrestle Kingdom, they had a match at Dominion, and they had a match at the the A Block final for the G One. And this was a storyline where Naito was destroying the belt literally. Yes, and Tanahashi was there to to, to essentially win. rescue the title, mm-hmm. and even made some references to Shinsuke Nakamura, who is synonymous with that Intercontinental title. And also, I mean, what's so interesting about it is that uh, part of what you discussed about Naito, formerly uh, supp- when he was competing for the IWGP Championship with Okada, he was supposed to main event Wrestle Kingdom, but he lost that spot to the IC title match. Yes. With Tanahashi and Nakamura. Yeah. So you you almost have that feud where um, Naito is so resentful of the IC championship. And here's a guy who fought so hard for this championship to main event with it at the Tokyo Dome, taking it back and saving it, basically. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of because Naito had said that if he beat Tanahashi in their last match, that he was going to retire the title. Mm. And... And Tanahashi ended up winning it and saving the title. And they very much used Nakamura and as kind of... Um, He's fighting for Nakamura. Yeah, it was like his shadow was over top of this intercontinental title division mm-hmm. because he really is credited with making that title a main event championship, which mm. he did that year at Wrestle Kingdom. So you fast forward to, to now with Jay White. He, another guy who was part of the, the same group of young lions with uh, that we mentioned with Sho and Yo and David Finley. He also left for an excursion to Ring of Honor, uh, had some great matches over the past year, in particular one with Will Ospreay back in May, and then they started doing vignettes, some really slick uh, produced uh, video videos. Mm-hmm. Um, Switchblade. The Switchblade uh, promos, and it was revealed as Jay White came out right at the end of the show, laying out Tanahashi uh, with the shell shock, which was Alex Shelley's finish. And Alex Shelley, the reason that links together is that's the guy who beat Jay White in his debut match. So he's now taken that finish and rechristened it the Blade Runner. Do people, do New Japan viewers remember something like that? Because something like that seems so, so small, like a man's loss, a man's first loss to some guy. They... They value it a lot more. So it's not as though every fan is going to know that off the top of their head, but a lot are um, because they... Like, history has played up so much more that significance like that is remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, people that, if you came up in the dojo with someone, you know that link exists. I mean, for Naito and Okada, for instance, Naito beat Okada in his debut match in 2007. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they have this career, their careers have been linked together. Okada's mm-hmm. first match was with this guy, yeah. and now they're headlining a dome show together. Mm-hmm. Um, History is embraced. And yes. It's, it's used to tell 
greater story. Yeah, and it's it's something you rarely get in WWE where it's mm-hmm. like this it's like these one month chapters and we don't reference mm-hmm. past chapters all that often unless it's extreme examples. Whereas in New Japan, I think it's very much they they rely on that history um because it can tell a lot of stories uh, moving forward. We should also talk about the status of Hiroshi Tanahashi right now and, and his health. Yeah, it's a mess. He his he's got the torn biceps that that dates back to this past May, when he was on the tour with Ring of Honor, tearing that in Philadelphia, worked through the G1 with it, mm-hmm. and now he's having knee problems. So, Sorry, was it the arm? Like, what, what yeah. exactly? Yes. Yeah, his biceps right, right. that he tore. Of course, of course. So that's... Um, so your prediction, does that play a part in, in all this? I think Tanahashi wins. Really? I would I would be surprised if they would go that far with Jay White that he beats Tanahashi on top of this. Hmm. Although, given the fact he's that hurt, it's a perfect way for Tanahashi to take some time off and lose to this guy. Like they're they have gone all in on Jay White here. So mm-hmm. it won't shock me if he wins the title. Um but yeah, this is like Tanahashi is is no longer the ace of the promotion. Um he's definitely uh taken that that back seat over the past two years, ever since losing to Okada the last time they had their dome match two years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean Jay White, he could win this, um, but I feel Tanahashi is ultimately gonna win this. Up next, for what many people listening might consider the main event of this show, it's Alpha versus Omega. Kenny Omega taking on Chris Jericho for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. This has been now billed as a no-DQ match. And uh, I feel like uh, if you're listening to this, you probably saw the build-up. I mean, how many instances of... Uh, how much build really was there? There's a video that, that... There was the video... The attack and the press conference. And the press conference. Three things and you're already caught up. So in terms of build, I mean, I'll say like seeing this, it feels very different from a typical New Japan build. You know, obviously with the blood, but even with the stuff at the press conference, it almost feels more like an old school American type of build up than anything else on this card, for instance. Um, and what's interesting is that like, here you have Chris Jericho, who has spent his entire, I don't know, past 20 years in the WWE system, but obviously has such a creative mind for professional wrestling. It almost feels like he's using New Japan just sort of as his forum to openly do whatever he wants according to his own tastes. Yeah, I, I think you've seen, you know, obviously Chris is very hands-on with all of his stuff, and mm-hmm. this, I would say, a uh, perfect example of that. I think the 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 draw in all of this. I mean, throw out all the angles. It's just a match that. How's this match going to look? That's mm-hmm. so intriguing to people um, that you know these are two guys that are going to put a ton of thought into this match. These are two of the smartest people at match layout. I think that are currently in the industry. So I have high expectations for this. And it's funny that you look back at like the history that like. Chris Jericho's history in Japan, while, I mean, he spent a lot of time going on tours there in 97, it's like, he had a much bigger history with, with war. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was kind of his, his home in Japan. Um, and then he's only done one dome match in his whole career, and it was under a mask. So, uh, I mean, in terms of the booking of this match, I think that's just as fascinating to people of like how... How do you book this match? Do you leave it open-ended that there could be something more? Do you just simply have Omega go over here and this is a one and done for Jericho and what this match looks like? Because even though you've 
presented this, that it's going to be a no DQ match, that they're trying to present the violent aspect of this. It's Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome. And there's no um, harnessing expectations. They're going to be huge for this match. How important is, is this match? Do you have a sense of how important this is to a Japanese audience? Kenny is certainly recognized as a top star there, but do people recognize Chris Jericho at the level of a semi-main eventer in the Tokyo Dome, you think? I feel so. I, I feel this is... I, I think p- people can argue the the main event of this show. I do feel it is Okada, Naito in Japan. Mm. Um, but it's 1A, 1B, depending yeah. on uh, what your what your point of reference is as a, as a wrestling fan. Sure. That, yeah. That, sure. Yeah, some people might think this is bigger than the other match, but there's others that I guarantee you are they're tuning in for this one. I mean, that's certainly what's so interesting about this show is that they they happen to have a match that I think is a legitimate main event for people in North America who have never even seen New Japan before. You have somebody in Chris Jericho who's an active WWE star taking on a guy that, I mean, you know, to a number of people is a, the number one wrestler of the year in Kenny Omega. And I wonder even how many people have uh how many of those people who consider him wrestler of the year even saw a lot of his previous matches prior to the the past year in new japan um do you think this goes second from the top yes yeah as opposed to what uh just just where you put it on the that second half uh, of the show i mean this is going to be like a five and a half hour show it's gonna be really long i would i would definitely assume that this this doesn't main event no i'm not saying that it was just you put do they typically do first of all is there an intermission on the show yeah there will be an intermission and do they typically put semi-main events before the intermission no no this this will go on the second half yeah it's just a question of you know i i think it does go second from the top i mean you could always put tanahashi jay white second from the top but i i think it'll probably be the two big ones back to back who do you expect to win and do you expect chris jericho to stick around i think omega wins um but that's that's totally contingent on them not having an extended deal with Mm -hmm. jericho um my assumption is that omega wins and jericho appears at new year's dash the next day um listen this I can't imagine they expected this to get over. Even the most optimistic that Jericho and Omega might have been, I think this had to have exceeded their expectations. Because you just don't know. Like, is this angle going to click with people? Certainly there's going to be an interest level. Mm-hmm. This much interest and in seeing it actualized, the real tickets that are being sold, people that are flying to this event. I mean, they've sold over 30,000 tickets to this show. Mm-hmm. And these two deserve as much credit as... Naito and Okada. Attracting a lot of buzz internationally, which I, I wonder if they would have been able to achieve with anybody else on this card for Kenny Omega. So it's a no-brainer that New Japan is incentivized to offer Chris another mm. match. Um, I think there's a limitation. Like, if New Japan wanted Jericho to be part of their next Long Beach show in March or a U.S. show, I think he'd probably draw the line at that. Right. That said, I I look at everything Chris Jericho is doing in his career, and I don't like WWE is yes this guy's home but I feel this guy is everything he's doing it's stuff on his own Mm -hmm. and being out and doing different things at this stage of his career because he probably knows that this isn't going to go on forever Mm -hmm. he's 47 if I'm not mistaken really yeah god damn 45 I could be off maybe 47 you're right 47 that's incredible so semi main eventing the Tokyo Dome at 47 yeah like it's 
he's probably Good got I, I think he's at a stage in his life where it's like he's probably says I want to do this this and this mm-hmm. and, and I Jer- mean going back for a WWE run at this point winning the title at this point means nothing to him you know winning the Rumble winning even the title means nothing for him but well and throw out the Kevin Owens thing but it's like yeah. he's come back came back for that Bray Wyatt feud that was you know okay, okay. Yeah. it's well his last appearance was a nothing in like in a three way he lost a three way on Smackdown to Kevin Owens and yeah just that one off and you look at like he is a major needle mover on this show and mm-hmm. if he were to come back to WWE he's not going to be in that position to be one of the key needle movers he's not coming in and doing a program with with Reigns with Lesnar he's he's going to be in a in the Chris Jericho spot which is an right. important one but it's not the important one and in New Japan he's a major contributor to this to what's going to be new japan's biggest show of the year Mm. so that would incentivize to me jericho to do something in the future so i'm kind of bullish on jericho at least doing a second match with new japan this year do you think whether or not he does has any impact on uh whether or not he'll get on wrestlemania or even the rumble um i i'd say there's virtually zero chance he does either this year i mean we know he's got that concert book the day of wrestlemania um I, I don't think there's any way he's in the Rumble this year. Our main event, Kazuchika Okada, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, taking on Tetsuya Naito. We kind of talked a lot about uh, Naito's run up until this point, uh, winning the G1, of course, to earn this title shot. Tell me about Okada's 2017. The greatest year I've ever seen of any wrestler of that I, I've ever watched. I, I think this has been the best year for a- any wrestler. Uh, Okada's title defenses this year were just unbelievable when you go through the entire uh, Rolodex of, of title defenses all year he long. He is now the longest reigning IWGP heavyweight champion? He's the uh, longest reigning champion for one singular reign. He surpassed Shinya Hashimoto's number. And then this week, he surpassed the total amount of days. So this can be spread out over multiple reigns. He's on his fourth title reign. So he's beaten Tanahashi's total number of days as champion. Um, and he's had the title since June of 2016, where he beat Naito. Naito had a two-month run with the title. Mm. Which, as we look at now, it's a title reign I thought was puzzling at the time when they had him drop it back. Mm -hmm. And I still think it's puzzling that they put the title on him for two months and then took it off of him. Hmm. And here we are back. I think this match is already big. I don't think it's a make or break. But I think it would have been that much more special if this was Naito's first title win, which I feel this should be the title change. Hmm. I mean, you're capping off in an unbelievable year. And you're capping off a story with Naito too about how he was neglected yes, yes. for that Wrestle Kingdom main event against Okada in that first match, and to come back, get the favor of the audience this time, and to win the belt. Yeah, he's already yeah. a main event guy, and this is just the cherry on top and christening him that mm-hmm. that member of that elite group. I'll tell you, when I was in Japan, I've told, I've said it a number of times. Like the, I, I mean, going to a New Japan show as a Westerner, you expect there to be a lot of Bullet Club merchandise, but no, it was LIJ merchandise that far outsold. I mean, not, maybe not far outsold, but definitely outsold the Bullet Club merchandise. And I'm talking not just adults, I'm talking kids. Like, um, I don't know how, how often this happens, but like there are kids dressed up as Naito with that briefcase. And, That's uh, amazing. That, and they greet him. Spitting at people? Uh, they don't really do that. But, like, Naito at this point kind of feels like that, I don't know, baby face who, like, is nice to children. Do you know the origin of his, his eye thing? Yeah. That Naito does? CMLL. Why don't you explain it? 
So apparently in CMLL, when he first debuted, uh, being a Japanese person, uh, he was mocked by the crowd for the size of his eyes. And to, I guess, mock the crowd back, he would do that. That eye, like, you know, the, the eye movement. And he's since adopted it for himself. Um, yeah, I found it so interesting that he's like, he seemed to have taken so much of his identity currently from that run in CMLL. Oh, it was... I mean, you can go back to Nakamura, that mm-hmm. he became Nakamura that you know through Japan, through yeah. Mexico. And I feel like it's fascinating because, like, CMLL is still sort of... It doesn't get that much coverage, you know, certainly not, not here. I wonder if it gets that much coverage in Japan. Yep. So that's almost like a perfect testing ground for a lot of your new gimmicks. Yeah, I mean, and CMLL is solid, like a really solid promotion. It's a... It's an entire scene I want to dedicate more time to now mm. that I have that opportunity. Before we close off, I also want to bring up Okada's new submission that he introduced. Yeah, he's introduced this new submission. It's pretty much like a Cobra, Cobra Clutch. clutch. Yeah. And kind of the stories they've done over the past couple of weeks were the first one being um, Naito going for the Destino and Okada being able to counter it with this Cobra Clutch submission and essentially negating the Destino. And then on the final Cork and Hall show, Naito was able to circumvent the Cobra Clutch to still hit the Destino. So the story going in is whether or not um, Okada can block the finish. And that, to me, kind of uh, opens the door that Naito could introduce a new move to throw off Okada. Does that happen a lot? Like, yes. For Wrestle, like, listen, at a WrestleMania, you would never see somebody debut a brand new move. You're always conditioned to tell your audience, hey, this is my move, watch out for this move. You would never end a match with a brand new move, but in Japan, that happens. Like, I don't have the stats off the top of my head. A lot of times, you'll see guys come back from an excursion with Mm -hmm. a new move. Um, They did that with Tenzon going to Calgary, and he came back with the Anaconda Vice. And guys as well going into the G1 sometimes also have a new finish. Um, And And it refreshes guys. Yes, and they use this tremendously in New Japan and other promotions as well, not just exclusive to it's New like Japan. It's like I've been off in this in my dungeon working on this brand new secret weapon and now I'm going to reintroduce it and I'm going to beat a bunch of people with it. Well, think about how much of the, the big WWE pattern match goes with near falls that it would behoove a lot of these guys to have several finishes that can be believable near falls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just beneficial that guys have a submission, that guys have two two... You know, yeah. Reigns has his Superman punch, and he also has his spear, and, and it yep. just it gives you more tools. I love the idea of like creating something new that nobody has figured out yet that you can win a bunch of matches with because it's because it's it's realistic. Like in jujitsu, that happens all the time, mm-hmm. where like a new technique is created, and suddenly everybody is using that technique, and nobody has figured out how to beat it. Like for a long time, there's this thing called a Baron Bolo that was like beating everybody. And slowly but surely, everybody trained the shit out of it so that every school was able to figure out a counter for it. And then now it's something new. Now it's up, now it's like footlocks. That's sort of the new thing. And then somebody will figure that out. So it's a game that's constantly evolving. And um, I really wish WWE would employ and use that type of philosophy a lot more because it makes the matches that much more interesting. Uh, but we should also mention, mention like the the Cobra Clutch is perfect for Okada because it's it leads right into the Rainmaker. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, well, what what do you think is the outcome here? I think Naito has to win. 
in my opinion. He doesn't have to, but I think I think he has time. to. I think he has to. I don't think you have... You do have a challenge ready in that Omega did beat Okada in their last outing in the G1. Mm-hmm. But that's a that match, I think you have lots of time to get to. I think people need a a year in, before they get the next Okada Omega match. Let's say Naito wins. Who's next for him? And I guess who's what's what's next for New Japan in 2018? Like, what do you see the big programs be? Uh, I could see coming out of this. I almost hope they don't go right back to the rematch with Okada immediately at New Beginning, although they could. Um, if Abushi wins, mm-hmm. you could have Abushi go for the title against Naito and fail. You could have Omega challenge Naito. Um, that's hmm. I mean, those two have arguably as, you know, if Omega's best chemistry is with Okada, Naito could be number two. Those two have had some unbelievable matches in the G1 the last two years. So I don't think there's any shortage of, of immediate challengers. And I think you'll probably have a great idea. Like New Year's Dash the next night. Yes, that's sort of the raw right after. They'll set up all the angles for mm-hmm. New Beginning, and you will know where all the key guys are going to be matched with. And I, that show, to me, is like the... It's a necessary watch after mm-hmm. the Tokyo Dome. It's become one of my favorite shows of the year. Cool. Awesome. Okay, let's get to the questions yep. from the uh, forum, po- forum.postwrestling.com. We opened it up to the Post Cafe members to ask John Pollock some of these questions. So we first go to Alan, who says, I'm very much behind on my New Japan viewing. So my question is, where does this card, in terms of building overall expectations, rank in comparison to previous Wrestle Kingdom shows? Oh, boy. I, I think this was, like, right up. Like, since the, the, this boom, if you want to trace it back to the 2000, mid-2012 to 2013, I think this is right near the top of Wrestle Kingdom matches. I mean, they... It's... I think the the added element of Chris Jericho has just taken it to a, a bigger level because mm-hmm. it's it's grabbed the attention of non the, the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think this is one that you you have to go back to I would say the early two thousands in terms of a, a of a January fourth show that is at this level of interest. There's been individual matches on ones um since that maybe are just as high, but as a collective show and and the response from the tickets, I believe it was it's at least 2002. This is the most tickets they've sold to the Tokyo Dome. We got an MJ from NJ who asks: In America, booking can often parallel merch sales. I keep thinking it would be so hard to tell the right story with the Bullet Club because of this. Whether it's the OGs splitting from the uh, the elite or Cody and Omega having a real program, how important is merch compared to booking in Japan? And does U.S. merch impact? their decision the way local merch will be yeah well the way the merchandise is kind of worked out is like that all the bullet club stuff you see i mean new japan gets all of that um that's why so the bucks don't get any they don't get they don't get any they get their own shirt though yes they their own stuff and the elite stuff i mean that's kind of why they've started the elite is Mm -hmm. that they they get all of that yeah so um but as far as like the hot topics, I mean, New Japan gets a cut of all the Bullet Club shirts. I, I think. Pro- I, I don't know how the hot topic deal has has pro been worked out with guys. Pro is involved with that, so too. then they're getting a, yeah. a healthy amount uh, of all of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess his question is: Do you want to like break up the his, Bullet Club when you're affecting exactly. uh, such a big merchandise mover? Mm-hmm. Uh, for that reason, I don't think you'll see the Bullet Club disappear. I mean, that was always the argument too with the NWO is that. 
you know, just have the big culmination of WCW winning, but it was like, yeah, you're killing off a massive merchandise seller at the time, and mm. it necessitated keeping the NWO going. I think the Bullet Club will continue much in the same way, that you will probably see the internal feuding, and maybe this is a good year to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Omega has a lot of opponents at the... This one well. thing we didn't talk about is that after the Chris Jericho attack, yeah. it's like, to me, that was... Kenny Omega is 100% babyface now. This is a guy that speaks fluent Japanese. Mm-hmm. This guy can be a top babyface in New Japan, which no foreigner can can touch mm-hmm. Kenny Omega's potential as a babyface mm-hmm. um, that can be right alongside um, mm-hmm. Naito and Okada. So what do you think that means for the rest of the Bullet Club? I think that this is the year that, that Kenny Omega um, should probably break away. And that you can still keep that group solid. And Cody can assume the position. I think Cody can probably take a much bigger role in New Japan, especially with the ROH title off of him for the interim. It allows more booking booking options for him. You such break, as You break the bucks off too? I, I like Kenny on his own. I, I don't <laughs> think Kenny needs to be with the bucks. Um, so I, I think this should be a big, big year for Omega mm. where he, nece- he doesn't necessarily have to be uh, within that group. And you can still keep the group going and maybe find someone else to lead, like a Cody. Let's go to Martin who asks, are the only shows that matter the pay-per-views in New Japan? Are there weekly New Japan shows that are required viewing? Um, they do have television, um, but but it's largely consisting of, you know, Highlights. Tags. Yeah. Uh, highlights of, you know, past shows. and. So if I wanted to follow New Japan, do I have to watch a lot of that? You, you can get by watching the big shows. Um, you know, the Cork and Hall events. I mean, they're very good about getting a lot of Cork and Hall events up on New Japan World that you can follow and, and get the key stuff um, all together. But it's not something that it, you have to necessarily dedicate weekly viewing to. We go to the genius... Who wants to know, uh, do you guys think an American territory of New Japan is possible? I think it's de- um, a permanent territory, I suppose, that's, that's running. I think it'd be shows. very difficult. I think it's it's certainly possible. Is it viable? I, I'm it less... just waters down your... Well, you're too, dedicating though. so many resources and so many performers to running regular shows over here. Uh, and how does that affect your Ring of Honor deal? I mean, that's a, that's a big relationship that they have only tried to strengthen. Um, and maybe you then have to draw that line in the sand at a certain point. If you're dedicating resources to running the U.S., maybe it doesn't make sense any longer to be with ROH, even though you're on syndicated television with ROH. There's a great presence that New Japan gets out of that. They A lot of people focus on what ROH gets out of that. New Japan does benefit, too, as well from that. We go to Christian, who wants to know, how much longer do you see Tanahashi going? I mean, realistically, I think he's 40 now. I think it's going to be a while. I don't think he's slowing. He is slowing down, but I I think it's going to be a hard out for this guy, as you've seen with, with others that have. Look at Hiroshi Tenzon, um, who's still going at, at his age, and he's a physical wreck. I think Tanahashi is going to follow in that same category as someone that, even though their body is slowing down significantly, they're still going to continue. Jalen wants to know, what do you guys think Shibata would have been doing at this year's show? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
God, after watching that match with Okada, that was the sad part is that you watch that and it was like, this guy is ready. It's so hard to get to that level of being a main eventer in the New Japan heavyweight mix. And after that show, he felt like he was right there, mm-hmm. right alongside. He, he to me, was at the same level of Naito uh, at the time of that match ending. Like he was, he was ready to be in that same conversation. So I would have seen him um, uh, it's hard to say, like you could have paired him and Kenny Omega. That's a fresh match. Um, th- this is all, you know, throwing out the Chris Jericho stuff. Um, you know, there's the argument that he could have been after the momentum from that Okada match. If you take out that headbutt and he's coming off, remember that show sold out. That That's a big statement that he helped sell out, um, that particular event, Chris Charlton also told me a funny story about how um, sometimes, like, so we were in the back, uh, we were in the in the lobby of Corcoon, and and uh, there were these people interviewing like women that were attending the show, and um, I he told me that once there was a morning show that was interviewing all the female uh, fans of New Japan, and uh, they were asking them questions, hoping that they would uh, talk about. Bring up, uh, I think it was Okada, hoping that everybody, all, all, the, all the female fans would bring up Okada as their favorite wrestler because they were going to have Okada on. Instead, everybody was saying Shibata was their favorite wrestler. Yeah, uh, so. I, I've heard that story. But, you know, the, the G1, Shibata could have won the G1. Hmm. And then he's facing Okada in a rematch. Now, hmm. I don't know if the timing of that would have worked my gut is that they still would have gone with Naito to win the G1, and that stuff is mapped out so far in advance. But Shibata would have been in a, probably in a major match here. All right, we got a Will who wants to know, given the fact that Naito is likely to be the de facto babyface and Okada has been acting more distinctly heelish in the recent months, do you think a meaningful double turn could be on the cards for the main event? I think the audience... It, like You're also going to have a lot more... Um, like, it's not going to be all your diehards here that maybe would lead to a completely mm-hmm. pro-Naito crowd. Well, uh, let's let's explain, like, what, what exactly are, is the heel-babyface dynamic going into the match right now? Uh, like, it's, it's, it's subtle, too. I mean, Okada is not overt, but he will adjust to the situation. Overt if it's, as a babyface? Um, or what? Overt uh, heel. As a heel. Um, I mean, Okada... He's supposed to be. Okada's like the traditional world champion that yeah. if he needs to play heel, he'll do it. He's not going to go crazy, but he'll adjust and play to what the crowd is. If they're backing Naito, he'll play mm-hmm. subtle heel throughout and he'll mm-hmm. do his mannerisms and he'll play cocky heel. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, I mean, he can also play the the baby face fighting from underneath and mm-hmm. doing the big return at the end. But gauging by the temperature of the crowd. I think it'll be more for Naito. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... We go to Harry, who says, I was there last year. The whole week was awesome. Just like Mania, lots of shows going on. The New Year's Dash show, the next day is a hard ticket to get. Highly recommend it. Okay, great. Uh, We go to Brandon, who asks, Chris Jericho has developed a very safe style in in the WWE. Do you expect him to wrestle a similar style, or do you think we'll see him pull out some new stuff, being that he's not so restrained in New Japan? Oh, I think you're definitely going to see different stuff from Jericho in this match. Hmm, like what? I wonder. Um, He's been wor- working that style for 20 years. Yeah, I wouldn't... I mean, I don't look at Chris Jericho and 
and always think safe style. Uh, I mean, I understand what he's saying. But I don't see him doing headbutts or anything crazy like that. I, I don't see Omega doing headbutts. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see anything like that. But uh, could I see Chris Jericho taking a one-winged angel? 100%. Mm-hmm. So I, and I think he understands going in. Like, this is... You can put smoke and mirrors here, but I don't think Chris Jericho is a guy you need to build smoke and mirrors around. I think that this is a guy coming in knowing who he's facing and what kind of match people are expecting. Mm. And I think he wants to go in there. Chris Jericho's entire career has been about shocking people and and doing things like, will this guy take a a snapdragon? Probably. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to see that match just to see like just to try to get a sense of who might lead the match in terms of style, because we know who's been leading the angle, and that's Jericho. And I think Omega admits that as well as much, that he's been kind of following Chris's lead in, in the build-up to all, all this. But the wrestling, certainly in New Japan, is sort of Omega's domain. So I, I, I do wonder how different of a match it might look compared to Chris's other work. Yeah, you also have to... I mean, you're working for a, for a stadium audience as well. And I think that Jericho has done enough stadium shows. I mean, you saw when he when he fought Triple H. I mean, that was the WrestleMania match where it was like, that was one that really didn't click with that giant crowd that, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see what, it, I think that's the most interesting layout of any of the matches on this show that people are curious of just what this match is going to look like. Because I don't think anyone knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's plow through these. Rob wants to know how much time you think Cody and Ibushi might get because they might be the sleeper match of the show. Uh, I'd guess maybe 13, 14 minutes. We go to John, who wants to know, what promotions does New Japan have arrangements with? I know ROH for sure, but I think they used to have one with Impact as well. It is somewhat confusing, but I think that it's run more like a territory. The only official ones are Ring of Honor and CMLL. And I, I would Noah. say Re- Rev Pro in the UK that they'll regularly send guys to. Uh, we go to Brian. Has anyone tried the New Japan World f- app on Fire TV? Can you watch Wrestle Kingdom this way? I don't know. I haven't. I know it definitely works on Chromecast. Yes. I, I've never had problems on Chromecast. Okay. Yeah, this person wants to know about New Year's Dash. I think we kind of covered it. Yeah, that'll be early uh, Friday morning. How much influence does new japan have on the way the bullet club is booked in other promotions such as ring of honor or other indie groups i mean gato has a hand in like i mean it's his call ultimately about the members and when it comes to the booking um they like hangman page for instance i mean that was something that they new japan wanted him and he was in the group and I mean, Gato's not booking everything. He's not booking all the ROH TV. But, I mean, the guys as well kind of know the direction that, that they're going as well. So it's it's more so um, there are, there is uh, some liberties, of course. Gotcha. All right, let's gonna do it for questions. And before we go, I just want to run through how to sign up for this thing, John. Because... I'm on njpwworld.com. There seems to be an English tab that I'm clicking on. And all it really is, it seems like it's like... It's this should be a, a video. It's just a Google translated version of their website. This is way easier than when I signed up because they didn't have the okay, English So option. where do I even go to sign up for this thing? Well, I haven't done this ever. So let's go. 
What's New Japan World? You're logged in. <laughs> Am I? It says log out. Oh, maybe I already signed up for this. Okay, let me try this. Okay, 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 got it. Try and play a video. No, no, it's fine. I definitely didn't pay for anything. Oh, yet. sign up. Ah, okay, okay. So, yeah, go to New Japan, NGPWworld.com, click the sign up button, and then you type in your email. This is thrilling radio. Okay, it says I'm already registered and I'm going to log in. Did you do this? I, I did a test before. Oh. So I'm guessing it, it already did this. But I didn't pay for anything. They didn't ask you for a credit card? No. Huh. Um, let me see if I can play a video. Yeah, try that. Here we go. Oh, okay. So once you do that, you can log in and then it'll prompt you to sign up once you've got a thing. Okay. Alrighty. So it's nine ninety nine yen a month, and you can pay via PayPal or credit card. Nine ninety nine nine ninety nine yen a month. That's like I don't know, eleven dollars or something. Okay. Anyway, I'm in. That wasn't that hard at oh, all. So not not a great uh, video. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, John? Before we close off. Um. No, I just I, I'm really looking forward to this show. I think like just going through the lineup, I think that it's overall going to be a pretty strong show. And I'm looking forward to doing the review with you. Yeah, as well. likewise. This was fun. You got me all caught up, and hopefully everybody else as well. Okay, I I hope I gave some insight to people. And uh, if you have further questions, text him on the the evening of yeah. five a.m. Everybody, <laughs> three a.m. in the morning. John will be right up receiving your text. Yeah, it's uh, 3 a.m. And worth noting to people that you go, you can watch it. I feel like we're almost uh, just doing an infomercial I know, this is here. too it's much. Like, yeah. This is too much. I'm we trying were, to make it easy for no, people. But, but the thing is, I don't feel bad about it because I know there are a lot of people actually asking these questions. Well, yeah. So, I mean, just the basics. The, the I mean, show might suck. Are you going to watch it in English or Japanese? I mean, I actually want to watch it in Japanese, number one, because I'm trying to study Japanese. But mm. at the same time, I don't necessarily want to miss a lot of the details. I think one of us should watch it in one and one the other. Okay. I'll do either. I'll do Japanese then. I won't know what they're talking about, but I will try to give you a sense, I suppose. Okay. What do you prefer? What would you prefer to watch? I could watch either. Okay. Maybe you'll switch halfway, okay? We'll switch at intermission. Okay. We can do that. Let's do that. All right. All righty. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah. So we'll be back um, late Thursday night, sometime Thursday. Sometime Thursday, depending on how dead John is after being up for so long. it's four in the morning right now, and I've got to drive home, so I don't know how it'll be by Tuesday. Okay, sometime Thursday, we'll have our review up for the Post Wrestling Cafe RSS feed. Yes, you can go sign up if you're not already at patreon.com slash postwrestling. Um, Sign up. All members of the Post Wrestling Cafe will receive this bonus show uh, in your custom rss feed so we will be chatting with you all running through wrestle kingdom 12 later this week uh if we can manage it we'll try and get Braden on the phone for a couple minutes because he will be attending this live so if we can coordinate that with the time zones uh we'll get him on for a live perspective as well cool goodbye